1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 57. Today I want us to uh, at least begin to talk about victory through praise and thanksgiving. Victory through praise and thanksgiving. And this is something, uh, I don't know, maybe people uh, have heard a lot about praise and thanksgiving in church, but I was not one of them. Um, I've been in church all my life, but the very first sermon or teaching I ever heard on praise and thanksgiving was the first church I went to in London. Um, and, uh, you know, I just didn't grow up hearing about that. Um, and uh, so it's very important. Uh, at the time I heard that first message, uh, I was in pretty dire circumstances. Most of my adversity was financial, and I was living in a dump in London, uh, and I did not grow up that way. <laughs> I, I grew up in America not lacking for anything, and I suddenly found myself, uh, you know, in these adverse circumstances, uh, and I heard this teaching on uh, praising and thanking God, and I, at the time, I didn't know, I had just began to hear about faith, and the word. Uh, I hadn't really uh, gotten into it. I had heard Brother Copeland, you know, uh, preach in America, but I just didn't get it. I didn't really have a need at the time. I just, uh, you know, uh, but I, at the time here, when I got here, I was walking by sight. I was, uh, I allowed my feelings and my flesh to control what I believed. And I didn't really get this. And when I heard this teaching and sermon on thanking and praising God in the midst of your troubles and all, I just thought, are you kidding? You know, <laughs> how, you know, and I just didn't, I didn't get it then. But uh, I, I, since then, I've, I've got a lot more revelation and understanding. And I am fully convinced if I had known then what we're going to talk about now, I would have come out of those circumstances much sooner than I did. Mm -hmm. And I think because I didn't know what we're going to talk about today, I didn't have any understanding or revelation of it at the time. It just prolonged my negative circumstances. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is, is very important. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Let's read this together. But thanks be, uh, well, I've, got, I've got the King James, but it doesn't matter. Just read whatever you got. Yeah, we've got New Living. Okay, just read whatever you got. But thanks be to thanks. God, God, which giveth us the victory, us victory. through our Lord oh, Jesus yes. Christ. Oh. Giveth us the victory. Notice this is ongoing, and this is continual. This is an ongoing. He gives us the victory. That's continual. It's ongoing. This is not a one-time uh, act. Uh, just turn the page to 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. And let's read that together. Now thanks be unto Thank God, God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. 
and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Notice both of these verses connect thanksgiving with victory, winning, and overcoming. You know, if, if God never did anything else for us, we've, got, we've already got it made. You know what I mean? We've already got it made. Uh, he's worthy of our praise and our thanksgiving, period. But you can, all, you can also praise and thank your way to victory. And this is what I didn't understand way back there when, when uh, I was in these hard times. Uh, I, I believe I could have come out of, of those hard times a lot quicker than I did. And this is one of the benefits uh, of praise and thanking God. As believers, we all have the same potential to live in victory and to overcome uh, and, to, and to be winners in life. But obviously, some Christians uh, are overcoming and living victoriously more than others. And I believe this is one of the reasons why I believe this is one of the missing ingredients uh, that we've missed uh, is, is being thankful and praising God even in the midst of adversity. So one of the benefits of praising uh, God and giving thanks today I want to talk about is that uh, praising God and giving thanks builds your faith and it expands your ability to receive from God. It, it brings God into your situation. As you praise God and give thanks, it brings, for His goodness, it brings Him into the situation. So uh, we're not praising Him for the problem, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, we're, we're, we're going to see uh, here from the Scriptures some examples of how this works. Now let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, and that's right before Timothy. 1 We're going to see one of the benefits that praise and thanksgiving has for us. It blesses God, but it can benefit us. We can, we can uh, utilize this to benefit us as well. To build our faith and expand our ability to receive from God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, if you want to know part of the will of God for your life, is in everything give thanks. Now, what does in everything mean? It means in church, now, give thanks. In the car, driving down the road, give thanks. In your pajamas, give thanks. In the kitchen, give thanks. In the garden, give thanks. At work, give thanks. In the good times, give thanks. In the hard times, give thanks. That's what it means in everything. Give thanks. This is cultivating a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving. 
Now, notice what I said about lifestyle. Lifestyle is not five minutes in church today or on Sunday. That's not lifestyle. Lifestyle is what you do every day, day in and day out, living from, from day to day, week to week, month to month. Your habits, uh, your, your daily habits, uh, how you live every day, that's your lifestyle. Uh, notice uh, I said we have to cultivate. We have to cultivate this lifestyle. In other words, it's not automatic. It's not automatic to just be thankful. It's not automatic to just uh, to, to be able to just praise God and thank Him in everything. Um, we have to initiate this. This is something we have to begin to cultivate. And this is what I didn't really understand back there at the beginning. Um, it takes some effort on our part. We have to begin to do this by faith. Um, so, so we have to cultivate uh, this lifestyle. It's not automatic. Uh, because we live in a fallen world and we're surrounded by people that don't know God. Uh, and, uh, you know, the world's going in a negative direction. Uh, it's, it's not automatic uh, that it's not kind of natural it's natural to follow the flow of the world and those around us so this is why we have to initiate by faith um, cultivating this lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving and this is being a doer of the word and not just a reader of the word uh, Psalm 34 1 uh, also uh, says the same thing. It says, we won't turn there, but you can write it down. Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Uh, notice he says, at all times. So that's in everything. At all times, his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. In other words, this is not just when we feel like it or when things are going well. He says at all times, his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Uh, you can check a person's spiritual maturity by how thankful they are. Anybody mm -hmm. who can't um, give thanks and praise God regardless of what their circumstances are, they don't really understand what God has already done for them. So we're not giving thanks for uh, hard times. We're not giving thanks for a bad report. We're giving thanks for the victory. We're giving thanks for the word that promises us victory. That's what mm. we're giving thanks for. The hard times will have to change. The medical report will have to change. The bank account will have to change and get in line with the word. And this is what I didn't really understand back there. I was waiting till everything got lined up and then I was going to give thanks. When everything mm -hmm. changed and everything turned, then I was going to give thanks. But that's, that's backwards. So, uh, that's, that's, the, that's not the way faith people do it. Faith people say, thank you, Lord. You took high blood pressure for me, so I don't have to have it. 
Thank you, Lord. You desire above all things that I prosper and be in health. Thank you, Lord. Uh, by your stripes, I was healed. Thank you, Lord, for the money that we've asked you for. Faith people start thanking and praising God in advance before we see any manifestation of what we're believing for. Now let's turn over to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians 4. Uh, well, he starts off in verse, let's back up to verse 8. It says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So here Paul is referring to some of his hard times. And if you, if you read over in chapter 11, he gets more specific about some of his trouble and hard times. He talks about three times being shipwrecked and stoning to death and beatings and, and hunger and cold and um, uh, uh, the unbelievers against him, his own people against him. So he gets, he gets more specific about the troubles. He talks about robbers. Uh, he, had, he encountered out traveling. Uh, he had to try, deal with robbers and tried to avoid getting robbed. Uh, these are just some of the hard times that he refers to. And then down in uh, verse 17, he says, For our light affliction, which is for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So this trouble uh, that he talks about, uh, being troubled but uh, not distressed, perplexed but not in despair, he refers to his hard times as light afflictions. All these things that he went through, physical and spiritual attacks, he refers to these circumstances as light afflictions. And then in verse 18, While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. So how do we look at things that are not seen? We look at them by faith. By faith, we look at things that are not seen through the eye of faith. That's how we look at things that are not seen. So we're praising God for the answer that we've not seen yet. We're, we're praising Him for the answer, not the problem. So praise and thanksgiving is a powerful way of putting your attention over on the Word. And as we do that, God gets bigger and bigger, and the problem get smaller and smaller. Uh, natural circumstances that we can see and feel that are contrary to the Word of God, uh, that's what he's saying here. These things are temporal. Uh, he, he goes on to say, uh, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So these things that we see and we feel uh, our, our, our circumstances are contrary to the Word of God. These things, he's saying, are temporal, and they're subject to change. 
Now, we don't bury our head in the sand and pretend that they don't exist. We, we don't deny that they exist, but we're not looking at it. That's what he's talking about here. Paul referred to his trouble and his hardships. He didn't deny it. He didn't bury his head in the sand and pretend that they didn't exist. But uh, he didn't magnify them. He didn't magnify his problems and his hardships. He magnified God. And that's why in the midst of all his trouble, he could write, Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph because he, he redirected his attention from his light afflictions and, and redirected them toward God. And, and this is why he could say that. And as he did that, he magnified God and not his problems. So uh, you can't do that if you're focusing on your problems all the time. When you walk by sight, uh, you only give thanks for what you, you already have and, and what you've already seen take place. And that's where I was uh, back there. Uh, I was walking by sight. I was walking according to the flesh. My flesh and my senses dictated what I believed, and I didn't understand this yet. But when you walk by faith, you go ahead and you give thanks to God in advance. You give thanks for God in advance for healing your body. Uh, even when you don't feel anything, you might even still be in pain. But when you walk by faith, you begin to thank God for healing you, but you begin to thank God for bringing you out. And you begin to magnify God and not the problem. If, if you lose your job, you don't thank the Lord that you lost your job, but you thank Him for getting you a new job and a better job. There's a uh, secular quotation that says, uh, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And we need to, uh, you know, we need to, to, to get some strong backbone. Amen? And and begin to uh, begin to order our our thinking uh, according to the word, and begin to to start magnifying God, and and not looking at the things that are seen, but looking at the things that are not seen, the things that are not yet manifested. That's what we believe, and that's what we're thanking God for in advance. Your ability to praise and thank the Lord before you see. What you're believing for is an indication that you're walking in a more advanced level of faith. When you're able to believe, to thank and praise God for what you haven't seen yet and you haven't experienced yet, this is an indication that you're walking in a more advanced level of faith. It doesn't take any faith to thank God for what's already happened and what you've You've already seen. Thanking God after the fact doesn't require any faith. And that's what I was waiting to do back there in London. I was waiting till my circumstances changed, and then I was going to be thankful. And I had it backward. Um, uh, but I just didn't understand this at the time. And some people, some Christians, are not even thankful after the things happened. You know what I mean? That's, that's just how unthankful 
Even some Christians are, even when God answers their prayer and they, and they receive what they've been believing for. They just take it for granted and they don't even give God the credit uh, that he's really due. That's why uh, I like to give opportunity, you know, at the beginning of these meetings for people to give a praise report and to give a testimony uh, and to thank God and acknowledge him for what he's done so that we don't just take these things for granted. Uh, but it takes faith to thank God for what we have not seen yet and we have not experienced. Uh, let's turn to Romans 4. Romans 4. We're talking about Praise and thanksgiving, building your faith and expanding your ability to receive from God. Philippians 4.19 And not being weak in faith, this is talking about Abraham, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham reached the point where he stopped looking at his natural circumstances. He stopped looking at his age and Sarah's age. Uh, as long as he was focusing on his circumstances, as long as he was focusing, uh, you know, I, this is not easy, especially when you are confronted with something day in and day out. You know, every time you look in the mirror, you, you, see, you see the situation, um, you know, somebody who's in chronic pain and things like that. It's not easy uh, to, to not look at these things. Uh, so Abraham was confronted with this day in and day out. Every time he looked in the mirror, he was aware of his age. Every time he looked at Sarah, he was aware of his age and all the the negative circumstances that were stacked up against them when it came to having this child that God promised. But as long as he was focusing on his circumstances and, and on his age and what the doctor had told them, you know, uh, so to speak, uh, it weakened his faith. He had weak faith. And as, mm. as, as, um, as long as he continued to do that, Nothing changed as long as he just kept talking about his age and his the obstacles to them having children and as long as they focused on their natural circumstances, nothing changed for years. Nothing changed, uh, but he changed his focus to what God had promised and he began to consider it. He stopped considering his own body and he started to consider God's promise. What God had promised him instead of considering the circumstances that were against him. Verse, um, verse 21 says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Uh, Back up to verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but underline this phrase, but was strong in faith, giving mm. glory to God. Mm. 
He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How did he get strong in faith? He began to praise God and thank God for the answer. He began to give glory to God for his promise of a child. He began to redirect his focus from thinking about and looking at and talking about the problem all the time, and he began to thank God for his promise in advance. The, the easy-to-read version says, verse 20, He never doubted that God would do what he promised. He never stopped believing. In fact, he grew stronger in his faith and just praised God. He grew stronger in faith as he just praised God. The, the Phillips translation says, He drew strength from his faith, and while giving the glory to God, remained absolutely convinced that God was able to implement his own promise. He drew strength his faith grew stronger while giving the glory to God. Can you see the connection here between his faith growing stronger as he began to praise God and get his eyes off of his situation and get his eyes on the promise of God? Uh, uh, considering his circumstances, looking at his age, looking at Sarah's age, for all these years, all it did was weaken his faith. And, and that's why it says here in, in verse 19, uh, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. So he had, he had to stop considering his body and his age and his circumstances to, to come out of that weak faith. And to get into strong faith, he began to glorify God. He, he stopped saying, why God, why? When God win. This is what he had been doing for like 25 years. Why God why? When God win is this going to happen? And we know the story about how Ishmael came into being and so forth. But Abraham started praising God and thanking him in advance for his new son that God had promised him. And it began to strengthen his faith. The Living Bible, verse 20 says... But Abraham never doubted. He believed God, for his faith and trust grew ever stronger, and he praised God for this blessing even before it happened. This is a powerful statement. His faith and trust grew ever stronger, and he praised God for this blessing even before it happened. I believe this was a major turning point for Abraham and Sarah in receiving uh, their son Isaac. As uh, faith and word believers, we're not limited to natural circumstances. We're not limited to what the doctor says. And Abraham stopped considering what the doctor said. He started praising God and he redirected his attention to God's will and built his faith to receive a miracle. Praising and thanking God in advance was involved in moving Abraham from weak faith to strong faith. And it built his faith where they were ready 
they were able to receive this miracle from God. Can you see this connection? I believe this is very powerful and important. Um, let's turn to uh, Philippians 4. Philippians 4. nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known unto God now the living Bible says don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers and real faith thanks him in advance before we see the answer. Amen? So whatever we need, whatever we would like to have, whatever we desire that we don't have yet, we don't keep asking God over and over. We don't keep begging God to do it. We sow our seed and we ask and we believe we receive when we ask. This says, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God. It doesn't say not with complaining. It says with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. So after we ask and believe that we receive, we praise God, we begin to thank and praise God, then it's granted to us now. Amen? Not after we see it manifested. We thank Him in advance for it. This is what faith people do. Thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you for the money. Thank you for my new job. Thank you, my kids uh, are, are on the right track. Thank you that I cannot receive this virus. Amen. Yes, thank you. We're redeemed from this virus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so this is the way faith people live. We praise and we thank God in advance. For what we have not seen yet and what we have not experienced yet. This is walking by faith and not by sight and not according to the flesh. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, the Living Bible says, If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these Things. Now the Living Bible says, And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Praise God for all the things. Uh, think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Your emotions follow your thoughts. Some psychologists say, um, you know, they, they say smiling, uh, smiling is, is uh, uh, people who smile are happier than people who don't smile. But they got it backwards. Uh, happy people smile. People smile because they're happy. They're not happy because they smile. So it's not smiling that makes a person happy. It's being happy that makes a person smile. So your emotions follow your thoughts. Uh, if we're not thankful for what we have and we're complaining about what we don't have and we're fearful about what might happen, we are thinking on the wrong things. That's what he's talking about here. Uh, you can write this down. Isaiah 26, 3. We all know that scripture, he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee. This is a, another scripture, that an Old Testament scripture that agrees with what Paul's saying here in Philippians 4, verse 8. If you don't have peace, it's because you've been thinking on the wrong things. That's what he's telling us here in verse 7 and 8. You can't be thankful and complain at the same time. You can't be thankful and de be depressed at the same time. This is why your, your emotions follow your thoughts. Whatever you've been thinking about, that's, what your, that's the direction your emotions are going to, to go. People who struggle with depression... You know, they think they're struggling with depression because they have a chemical imbalance. No, they have a chemical imbalance because they're depressed. It's the other way around. Because they're depressed, they have a chemical imbalance. Their mind is not stayed on the Lord. If you keep your mind focused on God, the things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, good report you will experience the peace of God. That's what he's telling us here. He's telling us the peace of God is connected with what you focus on and what you think about. And this takes some effort on our part. Uh, it's, it's the natural tendency for, for our minds to gravitate over on negative and depressing things because we live in a fallen world and we're surrounded by people that don't know God and people that are unthankful. They don't acknowledge his goodness. And it's easy to forget the goodness of God. It only took uh, that first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt. It only took them three days to forget the Red Sea. Now you would have thought that would have impressed you to the point <laughs> you never would have forgotten that. You know what I mean? You would have thought that would have marked, marked them and impressed them for a lifetime. But within three days, they had already forgotten 
what God did for them through the Red Sea. I mean, that's one of the most miraculous things that's ever happened in human history. But after three days, they were already complaining. They were already unthankful. Over and over, they forgot God's provision. They would praise God, you know, after they crossed the Red Sea, they praised God for a few days. They had a little party. But as soon as the stresses of life started pressing in on them, they forgot the goodness of God. They became unthankful. They began to complain, and they began to, to blame Moses. They said, you brought us out here to die. We're tired of this, and we're tired of that. What is that? Unthankful. Unthankful. They re and they, they failed to receive what God promised them. They failed to enter the, the promised land and what God had provided for them. And they died outside of the will of God. So it, it takes some effort and some responsibility on our part to cultivate this lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now let's turn to one more scripture. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. You know, talking about that first generation of Israelites, um, you know, when they, they always blame Moses every time the pressure came on. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, they said, oh, it'd be better if we just went back to Egypt and all this complaining. Uh, but, you know, what they should have been saying was, look, if we die, at least we die free. You know what I mean? <laughs> at least we're not going to die slaves. If we die out here, at least we were moving forward, and at least we were doing something, and at least we were headed toward the promised land. And, and uh, if we die, at least we're going to die free people. Amen? That's what they should have been saying. Now, Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him let us therefore uh, offer the sacrifice of praise to God, continually, there's that word again, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now this phrase, giving thanks, um, in the margin of my Bible, it says confessing to. In the King James Version, there's a little number, and it directs you over to the margin, and it says confessing to. So this, the Greek word, translated giving thanks in this scripture is also it's a, the word homologio the same greek word that's translated confession or profession in the new testament my bible's got proclaiming bob okay yeah proclaiming. yeah yeah that's that's good um uh, homologio. Homo means the same. Logio means to speak. To speak the same thing. Uh, the New Revised Standard Version brings, brings out this connection between giving thanks and confessing or speaking. It says, the fruit of lips that confess his name. The fruit of, the, uh, fruit of lips that confess his name. Now, another Greek word used in the Bible to denote thanksgiving or grateful or thankful is the word Eucharistio. It's where we get the word Eucharist or Lord's Supper. 
to give thanks or return thanks. That's what Eucharist means. Mm -hmm. the, to mm -hmm. give thanks or return thanks. Now, and I don't know if, if um, you may not have gotten my message, but I wanted us to receive communion today. And uh, I saw... Um, uh, I saw Lorraine come in there. Perhaps she would get you a little piece of bread and some juice to you, so we can have communion together. Mm -hmm. Could could you ask her to do that for you? you got some juice and some bread? Yeah. Some juice and some bread. Yeah, but I've got a bottle of red wine in Yeah, whatever whatever you've got. Are you it's not, fine. not in the fridge, Where is it? I've got some fruit juice in the fridge, but I've got some... Yeah. Okay. okay. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Didn't know if you got the message or not. But I wanted us to have communion together, so I just thought you could be getting that ready as as we approach this. But that's what the word Eucharist or Lord's Supper means: to give thanks or to return thanks. So when mm -hmm. we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are doing two things. We're acknowledging and we're remembering. We're acknowledging and we're remembering. The two main components of thanksgiving is to be grateful, to be thankful, and to acknowledge it by speaking. So in order to be thankful, you have to acknowledge something. You can't be thankful for something that you forget about. So this is why we receive the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. So we acknowledge Him and we don't forget it. This is, this is why we have... This is why we, we have the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. We acknowledge what he did, and we're remembering what he did, and we're not forgetting it. Amen? Because like I said, it's a natural tendency to begin to take things for granted and to forget things. So, we're not only remembering what we've been redeemed out of, but we're also remembering what we've been redeemed into. This is this is uh this is the purpose or part of the purpose of the Lord's Supper. So we acknowledge it, we're thankful for it, and we confess it by speaking. And when you're thankful, you're not just thankful in your heart. You know, have you ever have you ever done something for somebody uh maybe really significant? Uh, you know, maybe you bailed them out of some financial problem. Uh, you gave them a significant amount of money or something to help them in a time of need, and they didn't even thank you. Have you ever had that happen? I mean, it happens quite quite often. And it, how does that make you feel? You know, it doesn't make you feel like you want to help them again, does it? <laughs> you don't exactly want to do something else for them. Because they're un unthankful. So when we're thankful, we express it. We don't just say, well, I'm thankful in my heart. No, that's just taking things for granted. So we don't need to feel thankful. We need to say thankful. 
<laughs> Amen. Uh, you can just write down this scripture. We won't turn there. Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David was speaking to his mind and saying, don't forget. Remember all of God's benefits. Remember all of God's benefits. And that's what we're doing when we receive the Lord's Supper. So this ties in with how you can be thankful all the time. Because you're remembering all of his benefits. There's no place between being thankful and unthankful. You're either thankful or you're unthankful. And if we're not remembering his benefits and thanking God, then we're spending our time doing something else, and it's usually complaining. And this is one reason why the enemy works so hard to get us to forget about all God has done for us. Because a lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise uh, inspires your faith. So let's, um, let's, we, we've got our uh, communion elements. Let me just reach mine here. And we're going to take, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to acknowledge His goodness. And we're going to remember all of his benefits and what we've been redeemed out of and what we've been redeemed into. So thank you, Father. We come before you this morning with the bread which represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us and the cup that symbolizes your blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. Your word says in Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his bruises we are healed. Jesus bore spiritual torment for our sins, mental distress for our worry, care, and fear as well as physical pain for our sickness and disease. The stripes he bore were for our healing, and with his stripes we are healed. God gave everything he had to redeem mankind from the curse. When we receive the Lord's Supper, we partake of everything that Jesus' sacrifice provided, the new birth, peace of mind, healing, total prosperity. This is what we've been redeemed into. Thank you, Father, for the body of Jesus that was broken and bruised for us. The stripes laid on Jesus' back were for our healing. He purchased our healing on the cross just as he purchased our salvation. So with this in mind, we say, Lord, it's not right 
that I should suffer from sickness and disease. And I judge it now as being from Satan, and I reject it. I refuse to receive it any longer, and I partake of the sacrifice of your body, and I receive the healing that you provided in Jesus' name. When the first generation of Israelites, uh, the first when they instituted the first Passover, God instructed them to kill a lamb, to have spread the blood over the door, and then to roast the lamb and eat all of it. God instructed them to eat all of this sacrificial lamb uh, and, and to completely consume it. And Jesus was our sacrificial lamb who went to the cross on our behalf, the final sacrifice under the old covenant. And we partake of all of his sacrifice. We're not leaving out any of it. We receive our deliverance. We receive cleansing of sin, healing of our body. We receive freedom from care and worry and fear. We receive financial freedom. We receive our deliverance from all of the curse. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that we have a covenant with you, a covenant that was ratified by the shed blood of Jesus at Calvary. And because of the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us, that his blood was shed in our behalf, we acknowledge that he bore sin, sickness, disease, sorrow, grief, fear, torment, unforgiveness, strife, and lack for us. Through his substitutionary sacrifice, we have complete redemption, total deliverance from the works of Satan. As new creations in Christ Jesus, we realize our freedom has been bought and paid for. We are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are healed, and we give thanks for it all in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We approach your table, Lord, as the righteousness of God. We thank you, Father. You, you have made us worthy to come partake of this uh, meal with you. You have made us join heirs with Jesus. You have raised us up to sit in heavenly places with Jesus at your right hand. So we are, you have made us worthy to come to this table. Therefore, we do not eat of the bread nor drink of the cup unworthily, but we rightly discern the Lord's body. We receive communion together now as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant 
and my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So, Father, we're putting ourselves in remembrance of what you've done for us. We're not forgetting. We are thankful. We are grateful people. We acknowledge your supreme sacrifice for us and that you took our place on the cross. So we are proclaiming and appropriating today all that Jesus has provided and promised through his cross. Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's say this together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For being so good to me. For being so good to me. You've done so much. You've done so much. You've given me so much. You've given me so much. And I am thankful. And I am thankful. I'm thankful for everything you've already provided. Thankful for everything that I have not yet experienced. No, not yet experienced. I'm confident. I'm confident. You will cause me. You will cause me to be completely fulfilled. To be completely fulfilled. Completely satisfied. Completely satisfied. It's coming to pass. Coming to pass. I'll not come short. I'll not come short. I'll not be left behind. I'll not be left behind. I will not lack any good thing. I will not lack any good thing. But will be perfect and entire. But will be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.